together, verses 1 through 7. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea of the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus afar, he ran from afar. He ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you or adjure you by God that you do not torment me. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray now that you would speak to us by your word, that you would open up our understanding, open up our hearts. God, that you would do a work in us, a a deeper work of grace. Lord, that we would see the glory of Jesus, that Jesus would be glorified among us and in this place. I pray, God, that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit, anoint your people today to receive of your word. And God, I pray your blessing today on your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach to you this morning on a transformed life. A transformed life. The narrative of the Gospel of Mark provides to us this instance of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And we see this amazing encounter that Jesus has with a man. And this encounter that Jesus has with this man completely changes this man's life. He will go from death to life. He will go from bondage to freedom. He will pass from living apart from the Lord to living in fellowship with the Lord. And and we will see the, the mercy of God and the authority of the Lord Jesus. Jesus displayed here in Mark chapter 5. This morning as we look at this and we see this encounter, I want us to realize that every single one of us, though it may not be as drastic as this, every single one of us, if you today can say that you you know Him, you have had a a transforming encounter with Him, you have have experienced an encounter with Jesus that has transformed your life. As we look this morning at this encounter that Jesus has, we see that it was a a purposeful encounter. In Mark chapter 4, look at this. This is one of those moments where we see the majesty and the glory of Jesus. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So he's in a boat. He's making his way over the Sea of Galilee. He's on his way to this man. He's on this way to this region of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, and a storm arises on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is in the front of the boat, sound asleep, and his disciples come to him, and they say to him, Lord, do you not care that we are about to die? Jesus, in verse 39, it says, Then he arose and rebuked the sea, rebuked the wind and the sea, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He spoke one word. He spoke one word. He said to it, Peace be still. And immediately the wind stopped and there was a a great calm that came over. And then the reaction that we see, he says in verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? 
Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? That even the wind and the sea obey him? They were afraid. They were uh, astonished at what they had seen, not fully understanding that the master of the sea was in the boat, not fully understanding that the creator of the sea was in the boat with them. They, They marveled and said, who is this man? that even the wind and the waves obey him. It almost seems as if this was a a demonic storm when you think about it. Now, I don't know where your theology lands. I know that God's the master over the sea. I know he has control over those type of things. But we read in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Job. And Job, it says, the, the enemy came to Job wanting to test him. And the Lord gave him permission. And we read about a great wind that was blown upon the house of his children. We understand that Satan was involved in that wind. We ultimately know that God is silent over that, but we also know that Satan at times has power in that regard. So Jesus gets up and he says, peace be still. He makes his way in chapter 5 and verse 1. Look at this. Then they, it says, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes or the Gerasenes. They, they come to the other side the country of the Gerasenes, verse 2. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Immediately he's met by a man. He's met by a man that is demonized. He's met by a man that is demon-possessed. He's, he's met by a man that has, a, has an unclean spirit. Jesus steps to the shore off of that little boat and here comes this man. Look at what it says about this man in verse 3. Man meets him with an unclean spirit. Verse 3 says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one can bind him, not even with chains. Because he had been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. I you to see here, number one, the hopeless bondage that this man was in. The hopeless bondage. This man made his, says, dwelling with the tombs. He lived among the dead bodies. He dwelt in tombs. He was driven out. And he, dominated by these demonic spirits, he was making his dwelling with death, driven to the tombs. Satan is a murderer. It's what the Word of God says. John 8 and verse 44 says that he was a murderer from the beginning, that he is a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. The Word of God says, speaking of the wicked one, speaking that he, it says that he is a thief and he comes to kill, to steal and destroy. And here you see this man completely dominated by Satan, completely demonized by an unclean spirit, driven into this hopeless condition to where he is making his dwelling in a cemetery, where they bury the dead bodies in the tomb. That's where he made his home. He's driven away from people. He's driven away from society. Verse 3, it says, No one could bind him, not even with chains. No one could take him and and bind him. They couldn't restrain him. Verse 4 says they had put shackles on him in chains. And he had pulled them apart. Neither could anyone tame him. And that's the correct word. Some translations say subdue him, but the word there in the Greek really, it speaks of taming like a wild animal, of bringing it into subjection. No one could tame him. 
We read in verse 5, He was always in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting Himself. Crying. Taking stones and cutting Himself. Driven to self-harm. Driven, we, we see this, another example of this in the idolatrous worship of the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament. When they would worship Baal, it says they would cut themselves with lances until blood gushed out. And here you see this man dwelling among the tombs. He's crying out. He doesn't, there's nothing that can be done for him. And so desperate is he, he begins to take stones and to cut himself. Driven to self-harm. Trying to find some relief for the bondage that he is in. What would bring somebody to do that? What would bring somebody? Isn't it interesting that in our day, this phenomenon is, is happening among Young people that you read about this phenomenon that, that young people and other people are, are cutting themselves. What in the world would, would provoke you to, to move in such a way that you would actually gnash at your skin and, and cut yourself? This is what you see. This man crying out. And then we read in verse 6. I want you to see the uncleanness of this man. He's living in the area of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, heavenly, heavily dominated by Gentiles. He has an unclean spirit. He's living among unclean people and he's defiled himself by living in the tombs, which a Jew, you know, could not touch a, a dead body without becoming unclean. He's unclean. Here you see him. He's completely in bondage. In verse 6 it says, When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He saw Jesus, and he ran, and he bows down in, in homage. It's what it is. He bows down in homage to him. Recognizing this is not a normal rabbi. This is not just a normal prophet. This is not just a normal man. The, the demons inside of him even recognize that. Verse 7 it says, And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Here you see these demons confessing Him as Jesus. It's interesting that it was the demons that first recognized Him as the Son of the Most High. It was a demon inside of a synagogue that cried out, You are the Son of the Most High. And Jesus said, Be quiet and come out of Him. And immediately it came out of Him. But here you see these demons inside of Him recognizing the spiritual authority that He had. Isn't this exactly what James chapter 4 says when it speaks about how the demons believe and tremble? That even the demons recognize this. The demons understand that this is God, that this is the Son of God. They recognize Him. And then they say to Him, do not torment us. Here we see the demons speaking through this man. Probably using the, the man's own voice box. Probably using the man's own voice. But they're, they're speaking through him. We get a little bit more detail about what is going on in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29. You don't need to turn with me there, but he hear the demons say, in Matthew 8 and verse 29, in this same encounter, they say, Have you come to torment us before the time? Because they knew. 
their days were numbered. They knew that there's a point, an, an appointed day when their judgment is coming. And he, they said, Do you come, have you come to torment us before the time? They know there's going to be a day. They know their days are numbered. How many understand the kingdom of the enemy has already been defeated? His days are numbered and he knows it. There is no redemption for them. And, and he knows that his time is short. He, he knows that it's coming to an end. If you come to torment us be, before the time, they know what awaits them. Church, I'll say it again, just what I said. Satan is a defeated foe. He is conquered. He was conquered by the blood of Christ shed upon that cross. Death was conquered by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Every principality and power has been stripped of their power and authority. He made a spectacle out of them, triumphing over them when he ascended back into glory. He is a defeated foe. This world system is on its deathbed. The death rattle can be heard within its lungs and it's on its way out. And the kingdom of God is coming and could break forth at any moment at the sound of the trumpet of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? Here we see this man in hopeless bondage driven away. Look at what verse 9 says. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Second thing that we see is the bondage is broken because he encountered the bondage breaker. Verse 9, Jesus ask, what is your name? He says to them, legion, for we are many now. A legion is, in military terms, within the Roman Empire, was 6,000 soldiers. This man was filled with a great multitude of demons. They had him in bondage. And I want us to realize there's several things, sobering things, that I want to say to you this morning. First thing is demons are real and dangerous and they can oppress and possess an individual. They can oppress and demonize or as we see in this instance, possess, live in, dominate. Demons are real and dangerous and they can possess and oppress. Secondly, demons can speak through people. Demons can actually communicate through the individual that they are living in. seen this. My mom told me a story about evangelists that they had at their church. And as this evangelist was walking out, somebody in the back pew just began to curse at this evangelist. For no apparent reason. Just to just spew And they 
recognize it for what it was. That's not normal behavior, right? That's not. Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that we need to be looking for demons under every rock and everything, but I would say there's a lot more of that going on than what we realize in the life of people. There's a lot more of that going on than what we understand. Thirdly, demons are fallen angels and they are powerful spiritual beings. And they can exert great strength. Nobody could bind this man. You see this again in the book of Acts when the Jewish exorcist tried to call to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon spoke and said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? And the, and the, the man, demon possessed, beat the snot out of the people trying to cast him out. And they left stripped. He, he tore their clothes off of them and they ran out. Demons can exert great strength beyond what is natural. Demons also can inflict personal harm and drive to death. We live in a culture of death right now. People are obsessed with death. You think that's just a a normal thing that people are obsessed with death culture and death? That's not normal. Demons desire, drive people to personal harm and desire death. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We see also, fifth thing, demons can be transferred. That is, they can leave one host and go into another Jesus, when he spoke of an unclean spirit, he said he would cast it out and it would go out and then it would go and get seven more unclean spirits, come back into the person and find the house swept and in order and come back and that last part of that man is worse than the first. Now he's got eight demons living on the inside of him because he didn't fill his house with the Lord. Sixth thing we understand, demons can resist leaving the host that they are oppressing and possessing. Seventh, demons recognize and are subject to spiritual authority. They came and they bowed down. They said... Have you come to torment us before the time? Have you, have you come? They, they know. They know they're under authority. Last thing, Christ. Here's the thing. Here's the most important thing. Christ has full authority over all power of Satan, over every unclean spirit, and over every demonic oppression. He has absolute sovereign authority over it. And when he says go, they have to go. Amen? There is deliverance. There is bondage breaking. There is power to deliver. There is liberty once Christ comes on the scene. Amen. He has full authority over demonic oppression. They beg him, don't send us out. We see Jesus gives them permission. They're sent into a herd of swine. Matthew chapter 8 We read about this same story and Jesus simply says, here's what, he he says one word. He says, go. And every one of them went out of the man. He simply just said, all he said was go. And they left. No struggle, no wrestling match, no hold could remain once Jesus said, go. Go. 
When Jesus said, go, no bondage could remain. Nothing could hold him no longer because whom the Son sets free is free. Indeed, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When Jesus comes on the scene, there is deliverance from bondage. There's deliverance from any demonic spirit that would hold you bound. When Jesus shows up, hell flees. They cannot stay there. They have to go. And this is why he came. He came to set at liberty those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He came as the Son. And he says, and if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He came to deliver people. Amen. Not just halfway, not just part of the way, not just a little bit of the way. He came to set people free from their sin and from the bondage of sin, from the effects of the fall, from every power that would hold itself in the life of the individual. There is freedom. There is chains that are broken when people come to Jesus. There is full salvation. Amen from what binds us. Amen. I don't want us to live a half-delivered life. I'm not even speaking about de demons in this moment. I'm not speaking about demonic oppression. I don't want people to be half-delivered when it comes to the things of God where people still feel like they're wrapped up in stuff. They still feel bound. We don't want to be Lazarus coming out of the grave with our grave clothes still wrapping us about, right? We don't want to come out of the tomb and still have the things associated with death wrapped around our eyes. And I believe there's a lot of Christians that still have grave clothes wrapped around them. Right? But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. From whatever would oppress you, whatever would bind you, whatever is in your past, whatever happened in your past, there's freedom from it. Whatever's going on right now in your life, there's freedom from it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. You can be free. You can live in victory. You can walk uprightly. You can live a life pleasing unto the Lord. You can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can be growing. You can be thriving. You can be used of God if you will just come to Him and say, Lord, here I am, set me free, do in me what you want to do, uh, break every bondage in my life, do what you want to do in me, God. Amen? We used to preach it the way Wesley used to preach it. It was called sanctification. If you're struggling here, and here's what they used to say, if you're still struggling with a particular area of sin in your life, you need to come and you need to pray until the Lord delivers you from it. Now I want to say to you, I absolutely believe in that. I believe that you can come to the Lord and you may be struggling with a particular area, but you come to the Lord and there's breaking of chains off of your life. Amen. 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 Whatever it may be, you may hear there are some, there's a pattern of thinking. Oh, and if you know what I'm talking about, there's a pattern of thinking that you keep falling back into. You recognize it, you understand it's not right, but you keep falling back into it. It's, it's a pattern. You'll do good one day, and then you fall back into this pattern of thinking. How many, how many understand what I'm talking about when I say that? But I want to say to you today, there's even freedom from that. If you'll come to the Lord, He can break that off of your life. Amen. Don't be halfway. Amen. Man, I feel the Lord in this place. Whoo. I wish you could feel half of what I feel when I'm up here. Amen.
I wish I had a loudspeaker where all 7 billion people on the earth could hear. Or 8 billion. There's more than that now. But there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom from every chain. There's freedom from the bondage of sin. There's freedom from the patterns that you keep falling back into. Amen. If you'll come to Him. And then we see in verse 14. So those who fed the swine. (laughs) Could you imagine? For one, there's Gentile people living there. And the Lord apparently had no qualms sending 6,000 demons into 2,000 pigs. He had no problem with it. Right? Now we can make a great inference here that he cares about people more than animals. Right? That's just a plain, you can just draw that out of it right there. There's a difference. You're not an animal. You're made in his image. And he loves us, cares for us more than, more than animals. Also, pigs were what to a Jew? Unclean. Had no business being there. I read a story, an account within history that when the Jews were rebuilding the, the temple during the, when they came back, that the Samaritans, which were the ones who went with who went during the Assyrian captivity in the northern parts, and they brought in Gentiles and they intermingled with the Jews. That's what a Samaritan was. The Samaritans hated the Jews so much that when they were building the temple, they would come at night and throw a pig's carcass into where they were building the temple. And it would literally cause them to stop for seven days to cleanse the temple. And so it would happen, they would cleanse the temple, and then here again would come a Samaritan, and they would throw another pig's corpse into the building. Now you can imagine why Jews and Samaritans didn't have anything to do with each other, right? But here you see Jesus tells these unclean spirits, go. They go into this herd of swine, they run down and drown themselves within the Sea of Galilee. And then it says... Verse 14, they went and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. In his right mind. He was sitting, he had clothes on, and he was in his right mind, completely free, completely delivered. Then they came, it says, verse 16, and those who saw it told him how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Verse 17, then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. They're terrified. They're terrified. They're scared of him. His holiness had come to their uncleanness, and now they're scared. Please leave. We read in verse 18, it says, And when he had got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. Here we see, lastly, the transformed life. These people begged Jesus, leave from us. And this man, as Jesus is leaving, he says, Lord, let me go with you. I want to go with you, Lord. But Jesus says, don't. Here, no, no. Here's something that you need to do. Go back to your friends. Go tell them all the great things that God 
has done for you, how he has had compassion upon you. Go, go tell somebody. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, go back to your friends. Go back to the people. Go back to the people that knew you before this. Go back to the people that knew the old you and tell them what God has done. Go back and tell them. And then it says in verse 20 that this man, he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. That is 10 cities, uh, an area of 10 villages, 10 cities. He, he began to proclaim all, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. This man went from being bound by 6,000 demons, left alone, to where no one could do anything for him. He went from this to a man completely set free. He went from a man that was in total bondage and oppression of demons and now he is a proclaimer of the gospel of what Christ has done for him. He went from dwelling in the tombs to preaching in ten cities about what Jesus had done. That's a, that's a complete transformation. That's a, that's a transformed life that nobody could argue with, right? When they looked at this man and they knew him, right? He dwelled in the tombs. Now they see him. They can't argue with it. This guy is different. So much so that when Jesus, a few chapters later, after he's told, leave, please, please leave. A few chapters later, when he makes his way back to the region of the Gerasenes, the crowd is so big. The crowd is so big that, he's, that they bring out all of those who are sick and it says as many as touched him were made completely whole. That's the power of a transformed life. This morning, church, Jesus is here to set us free. He's here to set us free. He is. He's here to make us free We don't have to be bound up. We don't have to be enslaved. We don't have to walk with our grave clothes on. We don't have to. There's freedom. He came to make us free, completely free. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. Freedom. He came to set at liberty those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord to the opening of blinded eyes to the releasing of Prisoners, He came to set us free. We know that that's fulfilled in the freedom, setting us free from sin. That's, that's what he's talking about. But there's freedom from the effects, the bondage. Man, there's freedom... From what people said over your life when you were a child. You know, there's people who carry stuff with them that even from childhood that's just been 
ingrained in their thinking. There's freedom. There's freedom from a drug addiction. There's freedom from any addiction. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's freedom. There's liberty. There's freedom from crippling, crippling depression, crippling anxiety. There's freedom. Right? will come to him. Amen. This morning, as Stacy plays, if you need prayer for anything, whatever it may be, as she leads us in this, would you just simply come right now and let's pray. Whatever it may be, would you come? Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Pastor Douglas, can you come and, if you're able to, can you? Like a flood, he 
Could have our ushers come. I need I need actually four people. So, Chad, can you help? And brother, you take those and pass those out, please. Thank you, thank you. Hey, Chad. Thanks, everyone been served that would like to be served? First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread, remembering the body that was broken for us. Let's partake of it this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's partake of the cup remembering the blood of the new covenant that was shed for you and me. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Let's take a few moments, just meditate on the Lord, let's sing this song unto Him, and just remember His sacrifice. Be reminded again of, his, of the new covenant that He...
purchased with his own blood, be reminded that he is coming again. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. What he's done. What he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. Sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. What He's done. Sing it to Him. What He's done. All the glory and to the sun my sins are forgiven yes hallelujah my future is heaven I praise God for what he's done sing for the freedom he God. Thank you so much for your freedom, God, and what you've done for us. And Lord, we just give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great, blessed day. We do not have Sunday evening uh, prayer tonight. It's Family Sunday. So we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening. Have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us this morning in our time of worship and the Word. And I would encourage you, if you need anything, if you need prayer or whatever you may need, we are here for you. And I want to personally encourage you to reach out to us with any prayer requests or, or questions that you may have about the Lord. Thank you and have a blessed day.